listening to On the Couch with Carly. Carly's Couch is a safe space to talk. I'm a psychologist, but I'm not your pipe-smoking, tweed-wearing stereotype. Hello and welcome to another episode of On the Couch with Carly. Thanks for coming back. I um, want to talk today about really this, the start of the thinking process around birth. So some, at some point during your pregnancy, you're going to be confronted with the question of birth. And uh, interestingly enough, well, I think importantly, the question is, what kind of birth do you want? And I think that there is a whole, there is importance in asking that question because it is about empowering ourselves to feel that we have a choice, that we are empowered with information about what is available to us and that we would have at least a desire for a kind of birth. But uh, one of the things that um, I think is really important for all of us to know about pregnancy, birth, and raising a child is that a lot of it is out of our control. So as much as we might want to spend time and energy gathering information, and as much as we might have desires, strong desires for a specific kind of birth over any other, it doesn't always work out that way. And so um, that can be really challenging, and, I, and, and I'm sure I'll do another episode on that because I think there is um, a lot of trauma around birth. Some of it is unavoidable and is just part of the birth experience, and some of it can be um, classified in the kind of, you know, under the under the topic of the birth not going either according to plan or being something that was an experience of feeling powerless and, 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 and something bad happening to you without you feeling like you have control or power in the situation. And that is often what causes traumas when we feel, when we feel powerless. So in the attempt to add to what makes us empowered and what how can we make choices that are empowered when we are pregnant and when we're considering our birth options. I'm going to talk today about A, some of the options that are available to you and B, what are some of the emotions that are standard kind of, what is the, the typical landscape of, emo- of our emotions when it comes to preparing for, dreaming of, and then also ma- managing um, expectations, but then also um, managing managing the, the reality of what happens when you give birth. Okay, so um, obviously I'm in South Africa. I'm in Cape Town. My context is very specific and does not necessarily um, represent everybody's context. So you might be listening to this from another country, and this might not have... This might not represent what you what you have available to you in your country. So um, I'm just going to go very quickly through some of the options that we have for giving birth. Um, so on the one hand, we have a hospital birth. Now, that is a choice between birthing at hospital or birthing at home. 
in some places, there is a there is some. Uh, I think there is still a birthing. Uh, Another option in Johannesburg in South Africa, which is a birthing, it's not really a hospital, what do they call it, like a birthing clinic or a uh, just a space where there are midwives that lead the experience and you don't have to be in a hospital necessarily in a, in a more kind of um, comforting, cozy environment. Okay, In the UK, for example, there are midwife-led birthing units um, that are not hospitals, but they do have midwife um, care there. Um, and obviously that's the same in, well, not obviously, but that is also the same in Holland. They have uh, like birthing homes or um, units that are separate from the hospital. But in South Africa and in Cape Town specifically, the choice is very much between hospital and in that case, you would be monitored by a gynecologist, or obstetrician gynecologist, and between being at home, in which case you would be um, taken care of by a midwife. Unfortunately, in Cape Town, there currently are no options for birthing in a hospital and being um, looked after by a midwife through that process. It used to be an option until a few years ago, and it has been since taken away and that is unfortunate but it's because there are very very difficult um, insurance ramifications for doctors who are stand-in or backup doctors for midwife-led births and that is because unfortunately there have been although the stats are incredibly incredibly low there have been a number of deaths and when we think about the medicalization of birth, we need to understand that there was a time in our history as human beings where where there was a huge rate of not just infant mortality, but maternal mortality. So moms were dying in childbirth. And it wasn't that long ago. And so medical advancements have prioritized the safety and the, you know, the delivery of a baby so that no one dies and and I think because of that there's a high pathologization of the process of birth so the the medicalization of birth means that things are monitored with the intention of finding or um, managing or um, pre- pre- preventing uh, injury and death maybe not injury but 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 certainly um, things that would would cause brain damage for the child or, um, you know, serious complications. Okay. So I think where I stand on this is that there is a very, very important place for for medical science in the, in the birth realm. We have to honor and, um, I think respect the fact that doctors are saving lives and that there are far fewer babies being, um, you know, born dead or who die shortly after birth because of obstetric complications. Uh, because they, they because there is that kind of high level of care. However, that can also be sometimes um, problematic in certain ways. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of research being done on the sort of over pathologizing of the pregnant body and the and the the birthing body and I actually did my master's research on doula support um, which is 
the woman who watches over you during and, and after, but particularly during your, your labor and after birth. And she is there to support the, the, the birthing person and um, aid in comforting and um, advocating for the mother's interests or the birthing person's interests. And when I was researching that, I discovered how much um, over or unnecessary intervention there is um, from a medical standpoint. And so there is a movement away from that to be more, more sort of empowered and natural. And that's where we find that sort of home birth midwife led sort of part of this this spectrum of of birth options and um, in this case uh, when you are not at the hospital when you're at home when you've got a midwife looking after you not an obstetrician the interventions are much lower you have far less uh, monitoring for example during your birth process and far less medical interventions like um, episiotomies and, and forceps and those sort of things. Okay, so, so and, and the thing about these things is, first of all, I'm not going into major detail uh, about your different birth options. I really do think that you can do your own research around that. But the thing about these things is that what happens in, in your body when you're a pregnant woman and you're trying to work out what to do with... Um, you know, what choices to make around what you want for your birth is that you kind of find that there sometimes, it sometimes feels like there's camps. There's sort of like ideological groups that you have to align with fully. And I think that's quite difficult because, for example, you might really want to be in a hospital because it's your first baby and you don't want to risk something going wrong. And if you had to go to hospital, if you're in at home, um, you know, that's also stressful to have to like leave the space you're in and then drive to the hospital if there's something goes wrong. Uh, for some people, it's difficult because they live far away from a hospital. So that's, but whatever your choice is, it, it might be hard for you to reckon with the fact that if you have to choose a hospital, suddenly your options become really limited because A, you can't have a midwife in Cape Town at least. Um, and B, you are at the mercy, so to speak, of the hospital system and how it's operate, how it operates. And that's really where doula comes in, is that I believe the doula is a very, very important, uh, plays a very important role in a modern birth setup because what a doula ultimately is, is a go-between or a, a, someone that is, that is between the, the couple that are giving that are about to give birth and the hospital system the, the midwives the sisters on staff the nursing staff the doctors and essentially you can then speak to a doula before you give birth and speak about what are the options for you in this in the context in which you're choosing to give birth um, and that's where that empowerment comes comes into it right which is that we can't always have the perfect scenario. For some people, they really want to have a vaginal delivery and then at the end of their pregnancy, they find out there's something, there's some reason why they can't. For example, placenta previa, you know, your placenta is in the wrong place. If you, if you have a natural delivery, you are potentially going to have major um, 
hemorrhaging and you might bleed out. And this is where like this idea of, well, actually medical science can prevent serious injury and death. Okay, we do have to have a cesarean then. Now, if you have been so certain that you want to have a a natural delivery, which is, I mean, I probably shouldn't be called natural, a vaginal delivery, and then you can't get that, you might feel like you've got to go all the way to this sort of clinical process in, in the hospital where everything's kind of almost like the opposite, like the antithesis of the birth you imagined. And that's not necessarily true. There are some people who have the most beautiful um, births in hospital, in theater, and you can put the lighting down low for a portion of it at some point. When they cut, you have to have the lighting up so they can see what they're doing. Um, but you can have music on and you can have a scent, you know, on a on a on a oil burner and you you know you can you can do you can, you can find out to what degree you can have the version of the birth you want within the context that is that is that is there for you that is available to you and so it really is a lesson in i, I suppose tempering tempering our our desires tempering our wishes tempering what is you know, taking from going from what would be possible to be to what really is, and you know the reality. Um, so anyway, so I think I'm jumping a little bit, but basically what I wanted to say was that we have vaginal delivery, we have cesarean delivery in South Africa. You can choose to have a cesarean, so elective cesareans. Those are possible, and that means that you basically decide on a date with your with your obstetrician and they schedule you in for surgery and half an hour later you have a baby and for some people that is super like uh that's that's really kind of something that feels right for them that's it's um you know desirable for them and 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 that might be for a number of reasons so some people feel they want to go for an elective cesarean because they feel they have some control. Now, what I did I mention about trauma and about being empowered for some people, having that control, dictating when it's going to happen so they don't have to wonder when it's going to happen. They don't have to wait to see. They can decide ahead of time. For some people, that feels incredibly empowering. Now, another person might say, whoa, that's not the natural way. The baby doesn't get to decide when it's ready to be born. What if the baby's slightly premature, blah, blah, blah. Those are valid concerns, but at the end of the day, this is your body, this is your birth, and you get to decide what works for you. And that's where the empowerment comes in. And I think that for people who um, feel they're making their own choices, feel they're empowered in their decision, and feel absolutely certain that it's the right decision for them, they tend to have less trauma around their birth. They tend to feel... um, in a way more prepared or not prepared is not the right word but like in a better position um, straight after the birth okay um, that's one option another option is to have a hospital birth with the intention of a vaginal delivery um, a lot of people in this country are go, go into hospital wanting a vaginal delivery a lot of people have elective sorry um emergency cesareans for one or other reason and that is a big it's a hot topic actually in the in the birth world which is why are these births turning 
ending up with cesareans when it isn't what the, the, the person wanted. It wasn't the intention going in. Why are these births turning out that way? And I think that's a really, it's a, it's a fraught subject because there's a lot of factors that play a role. So there are those sort of stories of gynees who are pressure, who pressure their clients into opting for cesareans um, and other medical interventions without giving them the the correct information or the or fair information and there's a few um yeah there's a there's a there's a real birth movement that kind of speaks to this and tries to counteract this because it's become quite a trend not only in South Africa but in America and places like Brazil as well where there's high um cesarean rates and that is because for one or other reason, the doctor makes a call early on that this birth isn't going to happen naturally or vaginally. And I'm not going to go into it now. There's a number of reasons that might be valid and there's a number of reasons that that isn't valid. Empower yourself with information. If you're interested in this, there's some wonderful Facebook groups. There's some wonderful Instagram accounts. Um, I really do think there's a lot of information out there. I don't need to add to that. I'm, all I'm saying is that um, it's important for you to know what your options are and for you to understand to a degree the medical um, jargon and the and and therefore and, and therefore to be able to understand when your doctor says it's this or it's that what he or she means but then also to understand that there might be um, it might not be so black and white. There might be a lot more gray areas than you imagine. And it's and it's important for you and your doula to discuss those ahead of time. If you have a doula, I highly recommend a doula, by the way. It's probably the best thing to do. I'm going to have a whole episode on, a doula, on doula support, actually. That's a great idea. Um, but, yeah, what I'm saying is you. what's really important for you to understand is that if someone says to you, this is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it, for you to know that maybe there is another option, that you could wait a little bit longer, that we could see what happens, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's, that's the, the, the empowerment through information part. Um, and that means that no matter what happens or what you choose, whether you, you, know, whether you choose an elective cesarean or if you choose a, a, to have a vaginal delivery that doesn't go according to plan, um, you will understand why that isn't why that didn't happen. You will feel empowered at the time to like, you know, make the decision or feel that you you have been included in help in coming to that decision. It hasn't just been made for you. Um, I do think that at some point there is tr- there has to be trust in your care providers, and this is a big question, right? Who do you trust? Who can you trust? If you don't feel like you trust your care providers, it's it's really not a great that's not a great outcome. And um, I would suggest if you don't feel that you trust your care providers, that you change your care providers, that there, that there are people that are wonderful out there who really do, they're honest, they're open, they're frank, they give you all the options, they give you all the information, they try as best they can to deliver the, the baby, you know, the way you want it. And they would make the decision that would be against what your wishes for the ultimate outcome only because it would be for your your baby safety and you have to know that that's that's what they're going to do and that you can trust and rely on them to make that call 
So that's a really big one. So it's so I think what I've spoken about so far is about finding the right care providers. So whether that's a midwife or an obstetrician and certainly a doula, it's about establishing relationships with people who you can trust and who you can talk to. You go to so many scans especially in private, you know, you, you, you literally having scans all the time, you're meeting with your obstetrician all the time, you can schedule meetings with your midwife as well. You can certainly um, schedule meetings with your, with your doula. And in those meetings, like this is while you're pregnant, before you, before you give birth, you can ask questions, keep gathering information, keep asking questions, keep exploring your options. It doesn't have to be set, um, you know, early on, you can keep thinking about it and you can keep including this new information that you're gathering as you make your decisions along the way okay now I just want to quickly um, refer to some of the emotions that come up when thinking about one's birth okay first of all I think it's important to speak about fear so fear is a very understandable feeling when you think about giving birth like any person who's never given birth before, if they had to consider the, the fact that, that this sort of, I mean, depends on how big your baby is, but this quite big <laughs> object is going to move through your body and out of your vagina. It's a scary concept, okay? And even if you aren't opting for vaginal delivery, having your stomach cut open, having major abdominal surgery that takes weeks and weeks to recover from, having to go um, under anesthetic for it, these are both quite radical experiences, right? And so let's just normalize that. This is a radical experience. Birth is profoundly um, massive, right? It's, 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 it's a huge experience. And when we encounter anything new, but particularly something that's new and very intense, of course we're going to feel a little bit of fear, okay? And that's totally normal. Um, we are just human after all. And I think that fear is not the final resting place, right? Like fear is part of the process, but it doesn't need to be the place that we stay and if you're feeling fear, I truly, truly encourage you to do more research, go to more courses, read more books about how our bodies are designed for this, how natural this is, but also speak to your care providers. The more you speak to your care providers, the more you will be supported and the more you will feel um, cared for and, and held in your experience so that the fear will, will lessen because Number one, your body's designed to do this. And number two, you will have people who are trained professionals who do this all the time, who will be taking care of you. And once you've established those two things, once you've really reckoned with those two things, I don't think that you will have to have fear anymore. Um, so that's the first emotion that I think is really important to think about. Um, the other emotion that I think comes up a lot is confusion or overwhelm. And that is, I mean, I've hardly gone into any information today but already I'm 
overwhelmed by the amount of things I've had to think about, you know, that come up for me when I think about what are our birth options, you know. So it's a lot of information and it's new. You've never had to think about this before, possibly. I mean, I did my my research on it, so I was a little bit well-versed in, in these sort of things before having a baby. But, you know, generally speaking, most people don't think about birth and and their birth options until they're pregnant. And and so this is, it's as I said to you, it's going to take time. It takes It's an adjustment period. So give yourself time to let the information come to you. You don't have to figure it out in month one of your pregnancy. You know, you actually, you don't have to give yourself, um, you don't have to put yourself under too much pressure to figure it all out. So I would really just, yeah, encourage you to, to think about, um, yeah, just just easing into it. It it can be overwhelming. There is lots of information. This is not going to be the lo- the last time you get a lot of information. Um, pregnancy is just the start of it. When you have a baby and you, I mean, you become a parent, there is just so much information at coming at us all the time about how to do this, how to do that. This is the right way of doing things. This is the wrong way of doing things. It can be very very stressful and very overwhelming. And really, the bottom line is the most important thing for you is to feel empowered. So empower yourself through information. Get all the facts. Read all the the things you need to read. Speak to all the people you need to speak to. And then you need to work out what feels right for you and your partner and your family, you know. And that's your decision. No one can take that away from you. That autonomy is part of the empowerment, right? So it's being informed and making an autonomous decision, a decision that feels like it's yours to make, um, is really, really important. Now, as I said, sometimes we make a decision, we feel empowered in that decision, and that decision doesn't turn out the way we planned. The birth doesn't turn out the way we planned. And so what I would suggest while you're still pregnant, is to give yourself another option. Give yourself a plan B. We always talk about birth plans. What's your birth plan? What's your birth plan? And there, and, and there are so many wonderful stories about women who do have the most beautiful birth plans that come true. They, you know, they, they get the somehow at all, everything conspires to work out and they get the birth they wanted. But that is not everybody and I want you to think about preparing for the things that you do not have a control over I want you to think about it and plan for it the way you would plan for a, a really long trip like let's say you're traveling through Africa and you're in a four by four you would plan for tires bursting you know you would have your spare tires you would have your kit for repairing tires or you would have your you know your jack and everything that you need to change a tire you would plan for petrol running out. You would bring extra canisters of petrol. You would, you know, there's a bunch of things that you would do to prepare for things not going according to plan. And that is kind of what I suggest you do when it comes to birth. Have your dream birth plan in mind. Have your, you know, like we spoke before about the idea of wishes. Like it's okay to wish for something. It's okay to want something. It's okay to desire something. Put that out there to the universe, you know, like this is what I want. This is my dream. And put down some sort of contingency plan, something that is, but if it doesn't work out according to plan, this is what I want. This is what would make this, you know, more tolerable for me or more acceptable to me. Um, 
So I really think that's quite an important thing, which is just to not be too, what's the right word? Like to not be too narrow, narrowly focused on what you want, to be open to options, um, but also to prepare for the emotional letdown of when something doesn't go according to plan. And that might be completely out of your hands, okay? Um, because sometimes some parts of the pregnancy journey involves disappointment. It involves someone telling you, I'm sorry, this birth is not going to go the way you want it. And it can happen for a number of reasons. There's, I mean, I'm not going to go into it. There's lots of things that can happen that are out of our hands. And therefore, in those moments, it's very, very understandable that you might feel disappointed, that you might feel sad, that you might feel grief even for the birth that you wanted that never happened. Within that is a lot of there's a lot of cultural sort of um, ideological meaning making that gets made around birth. I mean, I corrected myself earlier because I used the word natural birth instead of um, instead of vaginal delivery. And I think that goes to show how, the, you know, like the word natural is quite a judgmental, it's a judgmental term because it indicates that anything that isn't that way would be unnatural, which is not true, okay? So we have to reckon with the, the narratives in our heads and how we are positioning the options with certain sort of um, judgments and 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 how we're, we're sort of classifying certain options ahead of others because they're better or um, more impressive or whatever. So if you're already starting to feel like if I don't have a vaginal delivery that's unmedicated, then I'm not as strong or powerful or goddess-like as a woman who who does, um, I would say immediately that is a a warning sign that there's some, some cultural sort of gremlins in your mind that are that are working out um what you should that are that are that are in control that are sort of taking the wheel and deciding what you should do based on some notion of what is a successful birth or a good birth or a natural birth and that's not helpful what i've just what i've seen in, in my work and you know also personally is that people who who give themselves such such limited options and and are so black and white in their thinking and who think that there's only one version that's good and all the other versions are bad that leads to um mental health consequences that will that will lead to um feelings of shame um and makes the whole process that much more fraught and that much more difficult to recover from so i'm I'm just putting that out there now that as I'm imagining you're pregnant and you're starting to figure out, you know, that there are these different options and working out what you want for yourself. Um, it's really important that you measure your um, your choices based on what is fair and, and healthy and safe for you and not just what you think is the right or good or natural or better option because that's what the you know that's what the the really good mothers do and that's where we start from the beginning of this journey labeling ourselves as good or bad and it's it's not it's not a it's not it's not the way to go it's 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 problematic so if you find yourself doing that already 
try to reckon with that speak to people who you can share that with that will help you to see how that's not the case um yeah, I think I'm going to leave it at that today. We can talk more about this and we will. Please will you ask me if you have any follow-up questions about this topic, if there's anything specifically you would like me to talk about, and I will. Um, but it is a big topic and something that we do think about a lot in pregnancy. Um, one thing's for sure is that whatever your birth plan is, it's one day or two days you know, of your life. And postpartum is so much longer so much more intense or maybe not more intense but definitely longer and more of a process and um, put some of your energy into planning for postpartum we're definitely going to talk about that more on the podcast but um, that's just reserve some of that planning and that sort of yeah that energy that you put into your birth plan just reserve some of that for your postpartum plan because that's probably more important it is more important Okay, thanks. That's enough for today and speak to you soon. Bye.